Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. I'm Chris. Uh, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program uh, if you want to talk to me, if you want to talk to Chris, and if you want to talk to Representative Chris Hendricks, who's joining us now. Hey, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Good, really well. Sorry I couldn't be in studio and had to call in. I I was looking forward to going in and yucking it up on a Friday. Uh, It's okay. Um, you're, You're here now. We'll talk to you. Uh, about um, your wild last a couple nights in uh, Beacon Hill at the end of the month for session. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, because you're in the Judiciary Committee, is the dangerousness hearing. I mean, the dangerousness hearing bill. Um, you, my understanding is you're opposed to it. I know the Senate had uh, was in favor of it. What are some, well, what is in the bill uh, that you were against? Okay. Well, first of all, there, there are there are a large part of this bill is is I oppose, but you know there are things in this bill in the original governor's bill um, dealing with dangerous hearings that I agreed with. So his bill, for, just first off, the, a dangerousness hearing allows um, basically a court to hold anyone for up to 120 days if if they are charged with certain offenses before yeah. trial. You know, without bail is essentially 120 days. You're deemed dangerous. You put in there uh, 120 it's, days. It's District court, I think 180 in Superior Court. Yes. Yeah. So it, it's already a a fairly extreme measure anyway. So so certainly any changes to that, you know, we would we would have to proceed with caution. So what the governor's bill did, which he filed at the beginning of the session, um, is it would um, first of all it would allow police to fingerprint anyone who's been arrested. You know, just fingerprint everybody. Um, it would allow prosecutors to detain suspects for any conviction for their past um, and, and use that as evidence uh, for, for a dangerousness hearing, essentially expanding that, the criteria to allow a dangerousness hearing in the first place, which I'm not necessarily against. I think it's, it's you know, if we can get any narrow, any more narrow ways to, to get dangerous people off the streets when they've committed offenses, I think that's smart. But like I said, something with due process concerns, you have to proceed with caution. Um, in, in one of the main pieces of this bill, it, was, it would allow peace to inf- police to enforce um, probation issues without a warrant. Okay, so right now, if someone's on probation, they violate that probation, you still need to have to go through a process. This would allow police to essentially, if they think someone's violating some probation agreement, which they certainly wouldn't be privy to, um, they can uh, arrest someone without a warrant. So and, and, whenever and- you're... Expanding, which is what this bill would have done, um, you know, allowing police to arrest people without warrants, yeah. I mean, that is a, a huge, huge uh, red flag. And so, um, so, the, so the bill is certainly well-intentioned. Um, I think, you know, it, it's, it's, it was, its aim was um, to prevent people from, you know, having uh, contact with the criminal justice system for, you know, one thing that shows that they're dangerous. If they get arrested in the future, they, that whatever they get arrested for in the past should be um, considered when to, to determine whether that person is dangerous. I, th- that makes sense. The, 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 as I said, it's a well-intentioned bill for sure. Um, and so when he filed the bill, the governor, what he did was he, he garnered um, support from advocacy groups, um, you know, to, to get something like this through the legislature. Um, and so come January 2022... Um, as you know, as a member of the Judiciary Committee, this bill was heard um, by the Judiciary Committee, and it certainly, you know, was a 
semi-contentious, you know, pretty normally contentious judiciary hearing. Um, by no means was, was it, you know, speculative that this bill had any uh, certainty of getting through as is. If anything, it was going to be, um, you know, significantly changed by the committee and recommended changes and then gone through the legislative process. But um, at the end, so that hearing was in January of 2022 on the dangerousness, the governor's dangerousness bill, um, which we raised numerous concerns at the time um, in that hearing about the due process concerns about the stuff I just laid out. Um, and so eventually it got sent to study, okay, this bill, the, the governor's bill. And this come, this is now January, July of 2022, recently, right at the end of the session. Um, and so what that did is it, you know, essentially killed the bill for this session. Doesn't mean the governor couldn't file amendments to certain things in the future, which he ended up doing that had contained the same language. Doesn't mean we could still consider those types of amendments, any, you know, amendments the Senate put in that were similar to this bill. Um, but but for the time being, it was it was sent to study, and so um, the governor was not happy about that. Um, and so, as you recall, I'm sure you know, I'm sure you know he he did quite a, a, a wouldn't call it a PR campaign, but certainly he had um, the media around him the next day, um, citing and calling the judiciary members, the chairs by name, um, and just you know, quite frankly, a, a pretty. Um, unsavory way to, to to conduct business, especially when something that happened as a result of the normal legislative process. I mean, that's you're not going to get every bill um, you want every session, and so um, so we had concerns with how the governor was just how he um, reacted to that bill being put into study. Um, I've been doing a lot of talking. I don't know if you guys have any questions. Yeah. So. Um I mean, I think the the probation, uh, the police being able to arrest somebody because they they think they violated probation is really interesting because, like you said, the police aren't necessarily privy to anybody's probation violations. Typically, if someone is violated probation, uh, the probation officer writes a warrant and has them picked up. And typically, the police have like what's like called a warrant day. Uh, and they go out and they pick people up uh, that are on warrants. There's a whole process to it. Uh, there's a whole there's a whole process to it. But the probation officer who manages, you know, there's there's a, a few, you know, in every courthouse there's a bunch of them, and they oversee, you know, a great many cases. But they're the ones that are privy to those cases. So that to me just seems like, um, you know, a reason to say, well, I think this guy's on probation. And I think this, what he's doing is violating his probation. seems like an excuse to just lock somebody up. Yeah. And that was the, that was a concern that I raised at the hearing. I, that, you know, with, it, with the, the governor and his team, you know, was part of the judiciary committee. Um, and so we were glad that he, when he did file, because I'll just, I guess I'll just move along with, with, with the, the trajectory of the bill now. Um, after the judiciary committee sent it to study, when the, it, you know, it came time for the, the governor to sign the, the fiscal uh, 23 budget, fiscal year 23 budget, um, he, he included a right, he attached language of his dangerousness bill to the section um, that dealt with the no-cost prison calls, essentially saying, you know, if you want to move forward uh, with the no-cost prison calls, which the legislator, you know, prioritized this session in the budget, um, then you're going to have to do both. Um, and so we rejected that in the House. We yeah. rejected that amendment. Okay, and it gets even more interesting because then it gets then it goes to the Senate. Um, and then in what the Senate did was they adopted right. um, a watered down version 
of the uh, the governor's dangerousness bill. And, and keep in mind, it's all portions that I I agree with. You know, uh, criminalizing, you know, codifying the the crime. If you cut off your GPS bracelet, um, in in expanding who can be, um, cons- you know, the 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 offenses for uh, to. to trigger a dangerousness hearing in the first place. So mo- very modest, uh, you know, uh, provisions that he had in this bill were adopted by the Senate. So what that means, the House has not voted on that yet. So what this means is that no prison calls and the dangerousness piece are very likely not going to happen this session. Um, it's, the, know, that's, kind of, it's a shame on the, um, on the part of the uh, no charge for prison calls that it was attached to this because yeah, that's it's kind of arbitrary. I mean, it's obviously, you know, obviously it's in the, it's totally arbitrary. Know, yeah. The judiciary world, but it, it doesn't mean it was an appropriate legislative maneuver. Um, you know, but, but he was playing, he's playing hardball and it's um, actually kind of ironic, right? Now you're going to be held in prison longer and you can't call your family. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I and, mean, and I don't mean, I'm not making light of it at all yeah, because yeah. I do think that's a very uh, complex issue. It really is. Right. And, and, and on the call issue, you know, we as a, as a, as a robust democracy, you don't want to be just throwing people in jail and then and that's it. You know, you, you want to put people in jail if they've committed a crime and, and, and do your best to rehab those folks to reduce recidivism. And we found that, you know, contact with your family, contact with loved ones can kind of foster that. Um, so, so, you know, that's something that we'll probably reconsider, I'm sure. So, next session, but. so we're speaking with Chris Hendricks, uh, the state representative from the New Bedford area. And uh, Chris, you, um, so you pointed out, I think it was, I think it was very direct that, that members of the legislature were not happy with the, uh, the personal way that uh, Governor Baker reacted to, to, uh, to your votes in the House. Um, well, how does that translate? What, what does that mean, really? In, in reality, yeah, I what does mean, that mean? It, 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 being fairly new member myself, I mean, calling, I guess the governor calling out folks by name is, is not something you should be doing. Okay. Um, and so, uh, I mean, as a direct effect, it won't really have much. But, no, but, but uh, you know, but in other words, it's lingering in the minds of the legislature. Yeah. Right. So exactly. And the, the whole idea of, you know, compromising and getting together with, a, you know, reaching across the aisle, you know, that can kind of spoil that. Um, especially when you, you only know, got a few months left, but, but it's, um, it's very rare. I will agree with you there. It's very rare. And, and clearly you're on the ground now in the legislature and you're, you're understanding from your colleagues that they didn't like it. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 uh, one of the points, one of the pieces that we had concerns with was getting, you know, all the advocates, um, and, and listen, it's a very sensitive topic. I mean, the, the advocates pro-advocates for this bill were all, you know, mostly victims of abuse. Right. Um, and so, you know, he he reached out to, you know, a lot of the advocacy groups right away um, and, and kind of, in a way, pitted them against the legislators saying, hey, they don't have your back. Well, well, that, well he, you know, he totally did. In fact, that that's what, if you look, if you Google, like, Massachusetts dangerousness bill, all of the headlines, it was an effective, I think, media campaign oh, yeah. in that all of the headlines are about the victims speaking out, victims of abuse speaking out against this, uh, against the, the, the legislature's decision to shelf this bill. Right. And believe me, no one wants to support victims more than me. Um, but, but there's got to be a nexus, okay? Yeah. Um, if you're going to do something, if you're going to have a legislative fix, a legislative maneuver to, to affect X, it has to be connected to X. Right. Um, and so, uh, so that's, you know, again, there obviously is, is 
energy in the Senate side to get something done. So that's promising. And listen, some of the stuff was, like I said, is that I agree with. I, I think we should um, tighten up the judiciary's um, control of dangerous people. I think that's a good thing. But we have to do it, one, uh, according to the Constitution, um, and do it in a way that doesn't pit, you know, bodies against one another, especially with the use of, of, of you know, very sensitive um, things like, you know, uh, uh, victims of abuse. Chris, we're speaking with Chris Hendricks, state representative for New Bedford. Uh, Chris, I noticed that one of the commentaries uh, on the governor's reaction to the to the bill being sent to the study committee, therefore being killed, was that he had stopped dealing with you guys. Um, do you think that that's true or, you know, What's that he question, took his... So, so, so one of the commentators who follows the legislature said that Governor Baker was so angry with the legislature that he basically had stopped dealing with you guys at the end of the session. And I know he doesn't deal directly with, you know... Uh, new legislators and more with the speaker and the Senate president. But is that, is that the, um, the vibe that, that Baker has checked out now? No, it is. It's quite the opposite. Okay. I think he's been more, I think people are very surprised at how active he's been um, and how involved with, you know, the vetoes and everything. Um, you know, so I, I think he's been, been very engaged. Um, certainly not a lame duck. Uh, you know, he's certainly put his stamping on, on action uh, as much, much as he can on the way out, which, hey, anyone would. Um, so so that's not new, but 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 his, you know, the vitriol from, from the dangerousness issue certainly didn't help. Um, and, you know, th- and that's still technically a doable thing, I think, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so it was a very diverse... Governor. A very diverse coalition in the in the Senate that passed it. Um, I was kind of surprised. I watched the debate because I have nothing else to do. Um, I was up, I was up, and it was you had, for instance, every legislator from Bristol County, all Democrats, they all voted for it. They joined with the Republicans to vote for it, and they also joined with um, the the senator from East Boston, a black female. Um, you know, she got. Edwards, yeah, she was in on it, and yet, you, you know, Mike, you had uh, Feeney from Attleboro gave a very big speech in favor of the bill. Um, Mark Montigny didn't speak in favor, but he was a co-author, co-sponsor yeah. of the bill. It, so it is a diverse in, coalition. In the way that, 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 that the amendment in the Senate looked, you know, that's something I, I you know, I, I would be, uh, you know, interested in, in in voting on in the future. The way they did it, you know, that 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 version of the bill. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, that, I think that just, just goes to the point that, you know, there is interest to get something like this done. It's not just coming from the governor's side. Um, but, uh, but certainly, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of things to discuss if we're going to do, you know, come to this again, you know, with the Senate. So, you know, like you said, having such a diverse coalition of support for this, I mean, we're going to be kind of forced to, to take a look at this, I think. And I, and I hope we do. We're speaking with Chris uh, Hendricks, representative uh, from New Bedford in the State House, sits on the State uh, Judiciary Committee. Uh, so there's a lot of things that happened, you know, the dangerousness bill, um, but you also had what uh, going on the um, transportation bond bill. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. Um, so, yeah, that was signed this week. Um, it is an $11 million bond bill to address, you know, infrastructure investments and roads, bridges, transit. Um, systems. Um, basically, what it's designed to do is bring every, all that, all those systems up to you know modernization, environmentally sound construction. Um, we prioritize electrifying buses, cleaning up pollution from heavy-duty vehicles, um, which is which is a big key for me, given what we've been dealing with in this district. Um, buildings, uh, electric, build, building out electrical charging infrastructure throughout the Commonwealth. Um, but one of the main things that it does. 
um, is it, uh, you know, as far as local earmarks, is that at 100 million for the earmarks specifically for the New Bedford Fairhaven Bridge. Um, Excellent. So, so that, um, you know, that that's probably the, the heart of that bill, um, and certainly, you know, modernizing you know, the transportation, um, you know, system across the Commonwealth to, you know, keep them keeping us up with our climate goals. I guess you could really tie this in with the climate legislation that was also passed this week. Um, so, so it's it's going to essentially devote a lot, and it uses 2.5 billion in federal grant money. So that infrastructure law that was passed that Biden signed some months ago, whenever it was, um, that we are using money through that uh, that that law. Um, 2.5 billion. Kind of like the uh, kind of like the ARPA money was tied into state legislative aid packages exactly too. Exactly the same thing. Right. Exactly the same way. So, uh, um, so, so, you know, we just want to make sure, you know, the Department of Transportation, you know, it, all the new designs coming into the future are all sustainable. Um, and I think that's going to be the, what we really, sustainability is what we're going to be looking at for the, the Fairhaven Bridge, for sure. So, Chris, I'm going to hold you. Uh, we got to have, uh, we got we to gotta break here, but um, you're going to stay, you're going to stay for, uh, sure. be on the break too. All right, all right great. Yep. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back. We're, we'll be taking your calls at 508-996-0500. This is South Coast Night with Chris McCarthy, Chris Hendricks, and Marcus Farrow. 1420 WBSM, New Bedford's News Talk Station. Shooting supply has... Welcome to South Coast tonight. Um, we are still joined, Chris and I, by another Chris. <laughs> uh, Chris uh, Chris Hendricks, representative from New Bedford. Hey, Chris. Hello. Hey. All right, thanks for hanging around, Chris. So if you want to give us a call, you can at 508-996-0500. We're talking about... Um, we're talking about uh, all the legislation that went through Beacon Hill and sort of a record-setting night. What's your thoughts, by the way, on the 23-hour session? Um, it was long. <laughs> um, and uh, Did you think it was necessary? A bit boring. Uh, I mean, listen, it's, it's the end of the session. They had a lot of priorities to get through. Uh, the last couple of years, you know, we're still dealing with a lot of issues with COVID, a lot of inflation, uh, this and that. So we had a lot of, they had to deal with a lot as far as getting stuff, um, you know, on the floor for a vote. So it was unfortunate that, you know, time kind of ran out. Um, I, I wish we could have done, you know, half of uh, that, you know, over the course of the session. But um, but things happen. So, uh, so, yeah, I mean, we got it all done. Uh, not all of it. I mean, obviously, you know, everything can still get done in some way or fashion. Um, but but it's certainly as far as anything drastic changes to what has been in put in place now isn't going to happen, given there won't be any formals. So we're speaking with Chris Hendricks, representative from uh, New Bedford. So, um, so Chris, a couple a couple of the major piece of legislation went through. Um, the gambling bill went through. Um, yes. How is that going to work? What's what's going to happen? That's a good question. So what happens now is since it was signed by the governor, the sports betting you're referring to. Yes, yes. Um, and so that it, it was signed by the governor, and it, from what they're saying, it's going to take sixty to ninety days for the regulators to come up with um, being able for people being able to place bets. You know, by the let's, let's just use football season as a marker. Um, I from what I hear and what has been reported, it doesn't look like the regulators will be. Uh, have do their work in time for the first few weeks of the season, but it looks as though you know early on in the season um, the the regulations will be put in place. So it, it, it's right now it's in a regulatory process phase, um, and that's all I, I could really tell you. But um, but it, certainly this was a hard fought 
you know, piece of legislation um, with the Senate, particularly, and, and how they, they felt about it. Um, and rightly so. I think how it, the bill ended was was great. Um, so the real the real discrepancy with with the, the the House version and the Senate version was with collegiate sports. You know, right. are should should people be allowed to, to place wagers on collegiate sports? And so the compromise, which I love compromise in the world of politics, is, it's, it's great and it's awesome. Um, and so the result of this compromise was that uh, you cannot um, you can you'll be able to to wager bets on collegiate sports, just not Massachusetts sports. Unless, and there's a huge exception to that rule, unless they make a major um, tournament like the Final Four, like Mar- you know March Madness or, or any type of other um, big, re- I think it's regional um, uh, tournament. So like the so, bean pot you could bet on for, for hockey? What's that? Like you could bet on the bean pot for hockey? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay. Uh, according to the laws, as it's written, you will not be able to do that. So you'll be able um, to bet on Alabama, but not Boston College. Correct. Right. Unless Boston College is but, in the Final Four, or so, you know, they make the tournament. Um, all right. So that that so, seems like a reasonable um, compromise, because I think yeah, most I mean, people don't, don't we don't have a robust. Go ahead. I'm we we are sports teams here in Massachusetts. It's been a long time. Back when I was in college, is the last time that the UMass made it into the you know seriously the basketball program. Yeah, um, you yeah. know made it. Uh, Marcus Camby, that crowd. Yeah, um, John Calipari was yeah, the coach. Yeah. Right. So you have, um, but you're still going to be able to. But now you're going to be able to work with college sports, right? And it, yeah. it, I think that the, the big games really are the you know the Alabamas, the Georgias, that 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 part of the world, right? Notre Dame, yeah, I mean, things like that. Unfortunately, we don't have uh, you know those types of teams up here right we just um, don't or you know collegiate you know just, just just pound for pound across all the sports I, I guess massachusetts doesn't have a lot of the heavyweight schools that um you know that, that one would like to wager on so so i think it's I, I it's good to have our own college kids our own college community here in massachusetts kind of safe from that right activity well you'd be able to bet with your bookie if you wanted to What's that? So if someone wanted to bet, say, on the Corsairs football team, they would have to find a local bookie to, to take it on a legal bet, yeah. basically, right? Yeah, they could take it to the, 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 the local. And then local they would local. need a, a defense attorney and maybe a dangerousness hearing. So you yeah. see how it all ties if, together. If you're, if you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're tying it all in. That's, that's, that's well done, my friend. Chris, Chris, um, um, so in terms of, and again, the regu- you've handed it off to the regulators. They're now going to figure out the, the, the ins and outs of this. Um, but... Locally, will someone? How is it going to work, right? In terms of placing a bet, how is that going to work? Well, if if you want to be an establishment that that accepts bets and and does sports betting, it's going to be a, I think it's a five million dollar buy-in, okay, for the license, and that's that's so kind of have an establishment, right? Um, and so you know we'll have to see what the how the regulators delineate everything. Okay. Um, you know, as far as what that's going to look like, um, as far as what how it's going to look when you when you place a bet, and what these these places will look like moving forward. My understanding is probably the closest place to us will be um, the Carney's operation up there in Ra- the Ton Rainham area, because they can take bets on horses now. You can actually bet by phone there if yeah. you like. Yeah, I would imagine. And it was a it was a, another emergency legislative fix that we had relative to that because it was um I, I don't even know the the ins and outs of it, but yes, there was um. That will be a big piece, and that's going to be uh, probably the closest.
to, to start. Now, what kind of revenue, Chris, is this projected to bring in? You said $5 million will be the buy-in fee to get an application fee, just to get an application. So the revenue is predicted to be fairly large, right? I would imagine. Um, just, just I would imagine similar to the revenues we saw with the marijuana industry. Um, and, you know, when we have, you know, laws that we pass, like the Student Opportunity Act, that, that mandates that we, you know, fund um, education in, in, in that way over time, I think, uh, you know, this the revenue from sports betting is going to certainly help. I don't have the exact figures with me, Chris. As far as what that's expected, but and I, I think it's all—I think right now it's all over the place, really, right? I mean, um, yeah, you're, you're not really going to know until it starts getting going. Um, you brought up the marijuana law. I have a question with that. So the, you guys made significant changes to the legalized recreational marijuana bill um, that will impact local communities. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So those changes—they um, essentially, when the cannabis industry was established in Massachusetts in 2016. Um, you had to have a lot of capital. Yes. You had to have essentially be a well-established business person um, of means if you wanted to, to you know, be uh, a mar- in, in involved in the marijuana industry. Just, marijuana just compliance industry. alone is like a million dollars, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so what we did is we made it easier for folks. Um, we cut some of the costs, the upfront, a lot of the upfront costs um, on the marijuana um you know dispensaries. You know as it relates to localities and, um, and and how they pay. You know the the, the local systems. And so what the, the idea was to make that easier um, for folks to you know normal everyday small business minded folks um, to 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 have an opportunity in that world um, and just to create a little more fairness and, and make it easier for people to enter um, that business. Hey, Chris, so uh, this was actually leading into my next question, but Steve B. from Fairhaven messaged us on the WBSM app chat. He asked um, why uh, the surplus of over, uh, so with the surplus of over $3 billion, why couldn't they uh, return money back to the taxpayer? Now, I know you wanted to talk about this, the econ- uh, the economic development bill, yep. uh, bill getting shelved, the $250 uh, payment or 500 for married couples that was supposed to go out to yep. a lot of people in the Commonwealth and then it being uh, side, uh, you know, it being basically... Um, uh, si- uh, sidetracked or, or derailed um, by a new development. What, what, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and, and I think Steve, it's a good question, Steve B. But and I think um, I think he's wrong. I think it's actually more than three billion. Um, <laughs> right. I think it's close to six, if I recall. Um, so, but but anyway, so um, you know that the economic development bill, as you just stated, you know that's what we did. You know, we gave money back. Um, to people, two hundred fifty dollars or five hundred dollars. Well, you wanted to. The status. That's what we wanted to do. Yeah. Um, we signed it. We got the. And, and those. That's the bill in which I got the amendments. You know, for for the Brooklyn. I came in. And we talked about this. Um, so there's a lot of local amendments at stake right now. Um, so, but yeah, that's what we did. Um, and so that the governor, uh, before signing that bill, um, basically it, it notified the legislature and notified. Um, you know, the, the Massachusetts government that uh, we, there's a 1986 law that says if surpluses are, are over uh, a certain uh, uh, rate, then, you know, we have to send money back uh, to the taxpayers, which is great. Um, but at the same time, uh, he brings this up in a time when it's, we just kind of did the same type of thing. Um, and so right now the discrepancy is, and, and they, the, the point of contention is that, um, 
the, the, the speaker of uh, the, the Spilka on the Senate side, the Senate president, um, and the governor, are, I think we can do both. Um, and that the House doesn't really necessarily see it that way. Um, so, so basically, they're trying to figure out if there's a way to get the economic development bill, um, which is a huge, huge bill um, in and of itself. You, even if you take out this tax incentives uh, piece to it, it's still a huge bill. Yeah. Um, and so, so right now they're trying to figure that out. It, it's it's probably likely that something won't happen, but you know, craziest things have happened. So basically, it's between Senate, House, and the Governor right now on how to proceed. Um, if there's a way we can do, so the there's a chance. To, there's a chance the that wants to give tax money back by the fall, pursuant to the '86 law. Okay. Um, and so, but but if he signs the economic development bill the way it is, you know that's going to create a problem because now we're having two avenues where we're giving giving away money. And we saw is that a problem when we, give, when we give away a lot of um, when we when we spend out a lot of unemployment and money to the people. It you know. Right, Inflation happens, and so we. So essentially, we have to be very careful about how we uh, proceed with that on that angle. Okay. But yes, Steve B is right. We need to get money uh, back to the people. I agree. Speaking, Chris, good. Go ahead. So, Chris, um, you you pointed out that some of your amendments um, that have money attached to them um, could be in jeopardy. Is that what I understood you say? Yeah, I mean, if, if the whole so explain that. Happen, yeah. any, any amendment, any any earmarks, um, you know, won't, wouldn't ha- won't happen. Um, you know, we would have to redo an entire bill next session. I mean, the good news is if it doesn't happen, we'll likely still have a, I, I presume we'll still have a Democratic majority and um, yeah, I think so. the House leadership <laughs> yeah. will, will look much like it is does today, um, as it will in January. So, I, I, um, but yeah, so if this bill doesn't go, if this bill completely dies, those earmarks, you know, go away. Um, Chris, no. Because, you know, those earmarks, as you know, are hard fought for. Oh, absolutely. Um, no one, no one would blame you. But how did this happen? If you had- uh, the the eighty six tax, uh, the governor. Um, Who knew you know, and didn't tell you? I guess is what I'm saying. What's that? Who didn't? You know, did, was it on the speaker's staff? Shouldn't they have known? Yeah, Bump, Suzanne Bump. Question, who who you know, didn't tell you? Someone should have known, um, or or at least addressed it. Um, I, I don't know if the the governor was waiting to to bring this up as a as a something to. Discuss and bake into the the bill, right? Um, but, you know, I, I presume he didn't do that, you know, on purpose. Yeah, you know, I'm sure he went to once he realized that this law existed, then um, he, he brought it to our attention right away. But um, but his but, father right helped now, pass a law, by the way. What, his that? father helped pass a law. His father was right? very active in citizens' limited taxation. Right. I find yeah, it hard it to believe a, he just found out about piece, it. There was a piece that I read on this on on the statistics that I don't recall. On, on how many people are still living, how many people were voter age of when that law was passed, and it's um, Chris. We have to it, take you know, a break. That's creating the case that anyone who, you know, when we put that law through, that you know that it doesn't. Chris, doesn't. we'll keep you around. We'll keep Chris, you around. we're, we're going to hold you. We're going to take we'll this break. All right, we'll be right back. Yep. Download the. Hey, right, welcome back to South Coast tonight. Marcus, um, we sorry, have, I had to swallow a cheese. <laughs> that's all right. We have Chris Hendricks, state representative from New Bedford, um, who, whose district now is solely New Bedford. Yeah, um, he used to have a cushion as well, but that's well, now not yet. Oh, oh, you still have a cushion? Just, just until, just until. Uh, I'm proud to say that. Yeah. So I have a, I'll have a cushion in the the, the district I have now until the end of the year. Okay. So Chris, um, we've got a few minutes left. 
I'm going to ask you about, because you talked about the gambling bill. That was basically written by your friend who uh, I saw you at the feast with, who you were endorsed for Lieutenant mm -hmm. Governor Eric Lesser, Senator Eric Lesser. Yeah. Um, who else? Uh, well, why are I you? I saw a TV ad for Lesser. Yeah, that's yeah, a tight, that's, a lot of money. Uh, I would imagine so. That's a tight race. Um, why are you, uh, for Lieutenant Governor, why are you endorsing Senator Lesser in this campaign? And uh, after, <laughs> yeah, why are you endorsing Senator Lesser? So I get to know Eric when, uh, as a, a member of the Gateway Cities Caucus. Right. Um, as the, you know, he is the chair of that caucus with uh, Rep Cabral. Yeah. Um, and so we've done, that's, out of all the caucuses I sit on, which is, you know, the, the handful, that's, um, that's a very, very active and, and, and effective uh, caucus legislatively. It's not just a caucus that's subject matter. We really, you know, especially on the Student Opportunity Act, we, we really work closely with the, the Gateway Cities Caucus, you know, with, with, with Tony and Eric's leadership um, to get, you know, the Student Opportunity Act uh, the way we wanted it. Um, and so I get to know Eric uh, through that process quite a bit. Um, he's a very effective guy. He's one of the smartest guys I know. He's a great messenger of ideas, which is important. Um, if you if you know if you want to do something legislative, you have a good idea. Being a messenger of that is 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 a necessary piece to it. So I and he's great at that. Um, and I think having someone out in Western Mass, you know, to, the the nerve center in Boston um, can be be a very insular place, right? Yeah. And, and having having Kim Driscoll, who's you know I'm sure an effective leader and um, a, a good person, uh, and I met several times. Is actually ironically on the Gateway Cities um, uh, through the Gateway Cities Caucus event. I, I met her. Um, in, in, but you know, we want. Let, let's be real here. You know, we're going to have New Bedford um, being in competition with Salem in many ways, right? Uh, I don't That's know if anybody's brought no, that No, the mayor's up, pointed that out. The mayor's mayor pointed out that, yeah. that, that yeah, look, it, it's, okay, it's a so, zero sum game sometimes. Yeah. So. Um, you know, she's going to fight for Salem. Yeah, that's as I was expected to. If she, if she were to win, um, and Lester has that that kind of outsider mentality as a you know from that insular Boston leadership bubble, um, and so I think he would be he will be a huge asset to, to you know people who don't live in Boston or or in and around Boston um, for folks who live in you know gateway cities across the Commonwealth, in New Bedford, Mount Western Mass, and. Um, so it's, I think he is more than prepared for that leadership role um, with his work in the Senate. But what he's done is his experience in general as well. Um, so this is the so, Democrat primary vote, yeah, right? Uh, which yeah. is what, September 6th? Yeah. And he, yeah. Worked, and he worked for Obama, right? He did. Yeah, That's he in his commercial. Yeah, in his commercial. He worked for um, Obama. So what, what else do you like on the ticket, Chris? Um, Very quickly, because we've got a we've got a long break. I'm going to reserve my comment about other races, you know, statewide races. Uh, nope. Um, yeah, <laughs> no. I, I did, no. so with the exception of the auditor's race, yes. I did um, endorse Senator Desaglio. Right. Um, yeah, she said nice things she, about you on Friday. Uh, she's just full of energy. Yes. Um, and, and that's really cool to see, you know, um, you know, her just going everywhere. I mean, she every event I go to. Um, she is at whether it's local or, or otherwise. Um, in, in her energy, her her trans her you know the issue of transparency is going to be big with her. I think she's going to be a real um, effective uh, leader. Other than that, I haven't really uh, I, I have endorsed Bill Strauss um, in in fair in the Fairhaven race, Fairhaven New Bedford Mattapoiset race. Um, and so, other than that, you know, that's uh, I'm just uh, still connecting with uh, I 
the new district, the one I'm running for, um, will have new areas uh, of New Bedford than I have now. So um, reintroducing myself to those folks has been my priority the, uh, you know, since we, we've uh, finished the session out. All right, Chris, thanks for joining us. That's it. Hey, and, and I'm sorry I couldn't. You still there? Yes. Yep, yep. And I'm sorry I couldn't come in. I really, I, I truly am having car trouble. I'm about to call AAA the second I get off the phone. We'll get you okay. a horse we'll, next we'll, time. We'll get you in next time. See or you'll okay. or you'll have to thumb it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're a runner. He's a good runner. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah. He's a runner. You could run. You're an athletic guy. You're an athletic guy. He knocked on all those doors. <laughs> come right, on, right, guys. Thank you. All right, Thanks, bye. Chris. 1420. <laughs> Excuse me. The um, so 508-996-0500. That's how you get on the uh, with us tonight. The um, off-air podcast. <laughs> so uh, we want to thank Representative Chris Hendricks for uh, joining us by phone. Um, as uh, he's on the phone now with AAA, so we know he didn't hear us. Yeah. But um, so if you want to give us a call, you can. Look, it'd be kind of open phones the rest of the night. We always enjoy Friday nights, right, Mark? Yeah, Friday nights. Like I said, I do. I do four. Uh, other nights to do the Friday night show. <laughs> right, right. That's a good way to put it. That's a very good way to put like it. Like you got to do the other four. So, so the, um, there's, there's there's a lot going on out there, folks. And and, and yeah. by the way, if you, if you if you called us earlier in the week or early night, you want to give us a call back. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. We're done with guests so far, right? Yeah. We have no more guests coming in. So if you want to give us a call, it's, you know you're the guest now, right? Yeah. Give us a call. But um, we have. Um, chat with us we have a, a number of things that are going on locally we're talking about the city council um budget hearings yeah and um the fact that uh, there's been some shenanigans going on yeah but i think i think that we we got some um really interesting feedback from the mayor right yeah we did yeah. i would say that the mayor is um he's taken off the gloves yeah. right i think he, i think he's a little bit sick of some of the the shenanigans he's seeing. And you'd wonder if it's maybe because he uh, sees the light at the end of the tunnel and he's no, you know, he knows that he's not going to have to deal with them for much longer. Hey, listen, we got to take uh, the news break. We will be back soon. But the other side of the nine o'clock hour.